hey, guys, I just found this amazing taco truck. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's so cool. You just you just go there and they give you tacos and they're so fucking delicious. I don't know why people don't go there. I mean, yes, granted, there's usually a murder happening every time that I've gone there. You're talking about the murder truck. Yeah, but I mean, that should not be a big deal. Now, I'm with you. I'm with you. I go there all the time. Three of my sons have been shot there, but it is worth it for those fucking tacos. Exactly. It's so delicious. Finger licking good. Oh, is, is is that blood? I might have just liked blood. You've been you've been shot. Oh no. My tacos. Time for me to avenge you to the cash truck hiring office. Me too. This, that was I very like good. This, this is definitely in our realm of uh, uh, intros where if you didn't see the movie, I hope that was as baffling as I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And yes. you got burritos, by the way. Oh. Wow. 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 Our, our guests jumping in to oh, crack you. <laughs> so that's how it's going to be, Evan, huh? <laughs> I thought we stopped you you gave me this five page long uh introduction with uh, where i i was just to describe all these great things you've done and i guess i'm not going to be able to read Oof. it because you just had to jump in to correct veronica mm-hmm. Speaking i honestly not think we were doing the podcast <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which i'm john brashad i'm veronica rowski this is Box Office Time Machine, a show where we watch the number one movie at the box office, either from this weekend or the past. Ooh. This week, what did we watch this week, Veronica? We watched The Wrath of Man. I don't know why I had to say that like that, but it seems like that was the right intonation. Well, it feels like uh, insanely self being insanely self serious is kind of the name of the game with this movie. But I think more importantly than what did we watch? Where did we watch, Veronica? We watched indoors in a movie theater with other strangers. It is true. And one of those strangers, a fellow vaccinated moviegoer, please welcome Evan Samuels. I'm a stranger, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Never met, yeah, never yeah, met either were, of these people. You were sitting you were sitting three rows down, <laughs> and I'm like, this guy's got some good takes. Like you were like, don't go in there like at a time when someone shouldn't have gone in there. I'm like, get this guy on a podcast. Right. Uh, and I think you loved my spot on Jason Statham impressions. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, do do you have time to do them again today or Oh sure, yeah, of course. Um we can do uh, my favorite scene of the movie right now. I'll, I'll do both uh, the part of Jason Statham and Post Malone. <laughs> so he chases Post Malone down, kicks the gun out of his hand. Who do you work for? Suck my dick. <laughs> what did you say? 
Suck my dick. Suck your own dick. Bang, 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 bang. Now, to be clear, which one of those characters was Jason Statham? Uh, the suck my dick guy. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? So, I yeah, this was my... this. This movie was my first movie back in the theaters <laughs> after a year and a half. Yes. Wrath of Man by <laughs> Guy Ritchie. Uh, but I, I knew literally nothing about it. I, I literally just texted Evan and I was like, let's go to the movies. You yeah. can do that. And it was a and, transcendent experience back yeah. then. I, that's that part I just did. I literally grabbed John, <laughs> <laughs> fell into his lap and fell out of my seat. Well, the amazing thing is that that it, we talked about how stupid that dialogue was. That exchange is in the trailer, which I had not seen before seeing this movie. But they cut out uh, Jason Statham's suck your own dick. Wow. Apparently, a point, uh, even the trailer editing company was like, yeah, that's real fucking dumb. Or yeah. maybe they were like, this is gold. We got to save this for the public <laughs> yeah. that is paying for this movie. Yeah, you got to throw down 15 bucks if you want to hear that. I, I could not believe that that is the dialogue that ended up in the movie. That was like, that is so like, hey, we're just throwing out alts here. Uh, <laughs> that's the fourth alt that, you know, Adam McKay is shouting from the side. And uh, they went with that one. There has to be I, a better response. Like I am so obsessed. Where is Steven Seagal is, would have said, no, give me another line. <laughs> the line of dialogue. I'm going to quote. Um, there is an amazing vulture review of this movie that quotes a lot of the truly terrible dialogue. Mm. Like I, I want to talk. We should probably get into more broader things before we just talk about the dialogue. But I want to quote. There's nothing uh, else to talk about. <laughs> I want to quote I want to quote this review. And then Christ, there's the dialogue. The writing in Wrath of Man isn't just bad. It's your coworker signed up for a weekend drama workshop bad. Sometimes the words are merely inane. And then he quotes the opening scene which we can talk about for about an hour. Uh, <laughs> other times the words are pretentious. And then this is a direct quote. What has the world come to? A direct line of evolution from paleolithic man to a diabetic house husband. A coworker observes philosophically to H after a conversation about uh pop tarts. What yeah. the fuck is Veronica? What's this movie about? <laughs> well, it's I guess then the broadest of senses. It's about the thirst for revenge. And the lack mm. of satisfaction therein. But I think for the most part, it's a very convoluted movie about a guy who, for some reason, chooses to take a job at a Brinks-like company to uh, hopefully get robbed by the people who had previously robbed the truck and had uh, innocent bystander killed his son in the process. Well, he was getting burritos from a truck, so now you know why the <laughs> intro was about. <laughs> yeah, getting burritos from a burrito truck in the middle of a completely empty street by an armored truck company. Yeah, I, I this movie, I, I, I'm trying to figure out like the best way to start talking about it because it really was like not knowing anything about this movie going in was amazing because this is one of those movies. That is starts. You think it's going to be just a real dumb crime movie. And then it reveals 
incredibly convoluted reveals and twists and has flashbacks within flashbacks. This movie has chapter titles. Yes. It has chapter titles. And <laughs> a dark spirit. I, I felt like this movie was catering to the worst of the Guy Ritchie instincts. I don't know how many oh, of you gosh. have seen Revolver. But uh, Revolver is very quote heavy. <laughs> I think it starts with several quotes in the beginning and it also is impenetrable. Like you could watch it a thousand times and not understand what's happening. So while I don't think this movie was that convoluted, I feel like it does have that sort of like uh, the philosophy of man kind of vibe to it. <laughs> and I yeah, that was probably my least favorite part of it. The quotes. Or to get chapter you, titles. I, I, have you seen a lot of Guy Ritchie movies, Veronica? Yes, I've seen them all. I love Guy Ritchie. All well, I have not you seen his Robin Hood movie, I guess, but I've seen like all of his other movies. I, I truly, Can, I really. Did he do Robin Hood too? Yeah. He did, he did the Lego. one with like Jamie Foxx as uh, Friar Tuck, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's like either. young Robin Hood with. But you saw King oh, Arthur. Yeah. Yeah. So you love him. I enjoy him when I do. I do really enjoy his movies when they're about mobsters being dumb. And I don't enjoy other movies that he has done. (laughs) But I keep holding out hope for that one Snatch that's going to happen again. Snatch is, to me, a perfect movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's something I've seen. Yeah, and it has many of the same elements in it. It's just the tone is so entirely different that it... That's what makes it so frustrating. And also the writing is very funny. Like every quote-unquote joke line in this movie falls flat, whereas like in Snatch, it's fairly there are, But there are a few jokes that really work. And I I started to get into the rhythm of it in the first like 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, this is becoming funny. Then there is suddenly a flashback and a new title card and just 20 straight minutes of gruesome torture of characters we've never seen. (laughs) To give you a little taste, uh, I want to read the the chapter titles for this movie, um, which was on Wikipedia, but someone took it down. I looked in the history section and one of the Wikipedia editors decided they weren't helpful. I disagree. I think they're very helpful. (laughs) The chapter titles are, and these are all incredibly tortured quotes from the movie. Yeah, this is like the wire, like, you know, beginning of every episode kind of thing. (laughs) The way the wire would name every episode after a quote from the, from the, uh, from that episode. Yeah. Only these quotes are so like, poorly forced into the script just to be the title anyway the chapters are a dark spirit scorched earth bad animals bad bad animals bad was amazing <laughs> liver lungs spleen and heart mm. um so <laughs> so yeah so this movie starts this movie starts very simply and it's a guy, a mysterious man, shows up. Well, first it starts with the opening scene. Yes. God damn it, this is hard. Uh, the opening scene is one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in a movie ever. It was <laughs> mind-boggling. I could not understand What is why. the opening scene? I don't remember. The opening scene is the cold open the with the, ro- the robbery shot. in the truck. The it's, single shot. Oh, yes, a, yes, 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 yes. single shot from 
just off to the side and behind uh, in an armored truck as this guy, as these two work, you know, guy comes in, he puts his bags of money in there, climbs up into the front, and they just have the most, you know, first time seeing this dialogue at a table read, uh, <laughs> reading of this just post that post pulp fiction where guys are just they're, they're talking about regular stuff while they're doing cool stuff we we were tr- we dialogue. were doing this a bit in the bar after the movie let's see let's see if we could yeah. do okay. a, a little bit of this scene um i believe it uh, the dialogue went something like oh this truck should have been put out the pasture 10 years ago hell maybe i should have been put out the pasture 10 years ago no man you're still in your prime you know how i know that <laughs> Because we're the same age, and I'm still in my prime. Pass <laughs> me some of that coffee. <laughs> what? When are you going to get your own coffee maker? What do you mean? You know, a coffee maker. <laughs> I don't remember the rest of the scene. Yeah. I, was, I mostly I remember that. To find a da- I was trying to find a, a, a rip of this movie to illegally download so I could go back and really nail down some of these. Line well, you want to do them as like uh, audition monologue? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's uh, I really read that pri- like um, uh, you're in the prime of your life. The we- so this thing, it's this long conversation in this uh, uh, armored truck, and you know they're going to get robbed, even if you haven't seen the trailer. Because why do you do a one take in a car if they're not going to get hit or shot at or something? Yeah, they're not going to and- lunch. <laughs> but the weird thing is. This dialogue is between um, the one guard in the passenger seat and the guard driving the truck. And the guard driving the truck, there are two inter- interesting things about him. One, he is giving truly the worst performance I've ever heard. I feel bad saying <laughs> that about another human being. But like, I mean, the dialogue's terrible, but he he really does sound like not a real actor. Like, I'm like, oh, is that Guy Ritchie director's cameo? I don't... <laughs> and, and, but the... And the other weird and thing, there's no. It's the easiest thing performance ever to ADR. Like, bring in, <laughs> wait, bring in any good actor, have them read that stuff. I know um, uh, 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 a friend, a friend of ours, uh, Brian Fithian, has an ADR line in Ocean's Eight because. <laughs> Because um, uh, the guy who did it was so bad and um, his uh, his wife, uh, her friend was working on the movie and they're like, we just need someone to come in and read this one line. It was also about ordering food at a food truck. (laughs) Um, But somewhere in that movie, you could hear one line where Brian Fithian orders a sandwich or something. Wow. But, you know, so this this dialogue's terrible. But the other weird thing is that the camera is placed in such a bizarre way that you never see the driver's face. So you listen listen to like a minute long conversation between two men without ever seeing the one man's face. So you're thinking the whole time, what's this dude's deal? Is this a mystery element? And it is a mystery. We will return to the scene in a flashback later to reveal not his identity, but a totally other random character's identity. This conversation, there's no reason for it to be filmed this way. We see their murders, but... Those aren't important at all. What's important is the murders that we see off screen that probably we're hearing over walkie talkie talk like, oh, my God, because you hear this like walkie talkie. Uh, they, they killed the guy. They killed the guards. Oh, no, they're killing somebody else. But it's all purposely hard to understand. It, it's 
it's trying to be like, oh, you don't have all the information and it's tantalizing, but it really is just confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Veronica, did you go to the movies? You went to movies uh, separately or did you guys go? Did you go a second time, John, with? No, 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 no. <laughs> I did not see Wrath of Man twice. Okay, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell from the intro because you were like, no. "We saw it in theater." So, Veronica, but what did you? Th- Veronica was- saw it in IMAX. <laughs> oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, and I mean, First it was all, available. Okay. I renewed my AMC stubs, and the closest theater to me has an IMAX. So, oh, wow. so what was your impression of this first scene? Yeah, I, I think like much up. like. John said, I expected a reveal about the other character that just never came. Uh, so it was very weird. And I feel like it's kind of indicative of the whole movie. I feel like this movie is very inartful about the way that it chooses to withhold information, where you kind of, in a lot of mystery movies, they withhold information. That's the point of them. But you never feel like as you're watching, like, oh, this is actively a piece of information that is being withheld from me. Mm -hmm. You are just feeling, oh, I'm being told the story. And down the line, when new details are introduced, you kind of reconfigure your brain to incorporate that new information. Here, I very actively felt like, oh, okay, so I don't know this explicitly because the movie doesn't want me to know this. But I know exactly what it is that's going to be revealed. Like, it, it's almost like seeing a puzzle and knowing that certain pieces are missing, but you know exactly what those pieces are. And so I feel like <laughs> the whole movie was like that, where, you know, there was the scene where he reveals his face to some uh, robbers and then they go away and you're you, you are thinking, oh, no, wh- why is that? But you kind of know exactly why that, that is. Re- th- so that was the part where I was really enjoying the movie. No, that, I that think the movie. That specific part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the beginning of this movie until we reveal that he's going on a hunt to avenge his son is actually pretty entertaining. But I agree. Aside from the dialogue, the first half hour was fun. Yeah, but... It always felt like every piece of information is being withheld very inartfully, I guess is my point. It it always felt like you're watching a thing with missing pieces because those pieces need to be missing in order for you to have like an aha moment at the end and not in a way where, you know, the story is still like intelligible and like coherent as you're going and then to keep with your puzzle analogy it's also like and then there were pieces uh, uh, from other puzzles that were lying around (laughs) and uh, we're never gonna fit in uh and you're like why are these in the box like uh yeah like like you know uh the 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 uh, the girl that works with them, Dana the Dana Curtis, whose name tag we see three separate times, uh, <laughs> and uh, he sleeps with her, and uh, then he wakes her up and uh, tells her to tells her to meet me next door, which was a weird way to say that because it's, he I met, guess a Britishism I guess he because that meant like the living room, living room. <laughs> we're in the bedroom, meet me in the living room anyway, and then. Uh, that he has a stack of $120,000 and she's like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, that's uh, and he shoots at her a couple times. And then she gets, she tells him, Oh, it's from this. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, I got it. I found it. It was here. Blah, blah. And he's like, all right. Well, you better not be lying. <laughs> and then that's basically it. I guess that means that she's a good person or something. 
that doesn't come back. Rob Delaney's character, there's no resolution there. Rob Delaney. <laughs> I really liked <laughs> Rob Delaney. He was great. Well, he, that's, was, he was in a different the, movie. Yeah. He's when the movie seemed like it, it had a sense of humor. But okay, so a, a quick run. So after that opening scene, we start a dark spirit. The first chapter. <laughs> and it, it does feel like it's just like a fun like combination of John Wick and Heat. And it's basically um, there's an armored truck company. They've been hit by robberies. A mysterious man played by Jason Statham uh, takes the job. He seems like he seems like there's something up with this guy. And then when they get robbed, sure enough, he easily shoots all the robbers. OK, what's up with this dude? We got a little bit of like a the guest vibe. It's fun. <laughs> then another robbery happens. And this time he literally just pulls down his mask. The uh, the robbers see his face and we hard cut to one of the bosses uh, played by Eddie Marzen going, they just ran away. And it's funny. Yeah. It's like a super and you feel that like it's a it purely has, snatch moment. That was yeah, great. It feels like snatch. It feels like John Wick. It has that fun thing and you're getting into it. And then we we have a flashback, which we expect is going to happen. We know he's going to have some connection to the robbery from the beginning. But instead of just a quick flashback to be like, oh, yeah, that's John Wick. He's a bad guy. We get a 30 minute <laughs> flashback revealing that he is the head of another armored truck crew, because apparently in this world, I guess this is more like John Wick, there are about 300 armored truck robbing crews yeah. all going around the city. Yeah, it seems to be the most dangerous job in the world is to drive an armored <laughs> truck. Well, they're not the predators, they're the prey. Oh, yes, of course. See, that uh, line I liked. Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked, I loved how this movie had that classic four-act structure. <laughs> where they're like, it's breaking up into four chapters. It's the my the worst the worst dialogue for me was um, all like the blue collar like like the cr criminal dialogue was better. It was like the blue collar guys hanging out at oh, the God. auto truck. Yeah, that stuff was terrible. That that the that woman Dana Curtis, uh, her introductory dialogue is just a direct steal from Aliens, but uh, where uh, Vasquez is introduced, um, and then of course like. Like Josh Hartnett's in this movie, doing great work as uh, playing boy, a character as, as Boy Sweat Dave. <laughs> boy Sweat Dave, like that's the kind of just stupid bullshit that's like there for some reason. All this is the, like the most homoerotic uh, workplace I've ever seen. Every employee is just making like masturbation motions at each other. Like, hey, why yeah. don't you come suck my dick? Hey, why don't you come suck my dick? By the time we got to that suck post, your load, own dick. By the time we got to the post below scene, I'm like, is the twist going to be that, like, he sucks he's in dick. love with them all? <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, yeah I, I think also, um, yeah, it's just also all the characters are so paper thin, like in the introduction, mm -hmm. as you say, like, there's one woman in the whole movie, basically. I mean, uh, I think there are technically three a, women a who say things yeah but i mean there's no one with any sort of inner life and ni neither does like any of the other characters i think josh hartnett is also semi-wasted in this i think he's in total maybe in like five scenes perhaps so you kind of are expecting something to happen with him and yeah. I, I think like the one time i actually laughed was when he kind of panics the first time they get robbed 
And uh-huh. yeah. so I thought that was kind of a funny break. But otherwise, it's right. just it feels like so many people are just wasted on this. Andy Garcia is in this movie. Why is Andy, Andy Garcia, Garcia in this movie? Andy Garcia does the I think he does this type of role in about 30 movies a year. <laughs> I know. Where he shows up on set for one day. He either he either acts like a sexy older man if it's a movie for older women, or if it's a crime <laughs> movie, he just acts very serious, intones yeah. something and leaves. I feel like he, does he a lot probably of work on the phone. I feel like probably at the time of filming, there were probably camera crews from like three movies filming him. And like probably just like, we could use this line of dialogue somewhere. Yep. He did a scene with Jason Statham, then Jason Statham left, and then Ryan Felipe came in and did a scene, and then he left. Yeah. And then, I don't know, Seagal? Ocean's no. 14. Seagal no. can't get Garcia. No, he can't get a Garcia. Come on. You gotta be Vince Vaughn and over to get a Garcia. <laughs> um, but like uh, Josh Hartnett play, does play an important character. He is uh, one of the two suspects for who the inside man at the ar- armed truck robbing place is. Um, the other suspect being Holt McElhaney. And it's Holt. Josh Hartnett plays the slimy, sleazy guy. And Hulk, Holt McElhaney plays the nice older guy. Who do you think the inside man is going to be? What a surprise. <laughs> um, this it ne- Not since Liam Neeson in Men in Black International have I ever been like, well, yeah, obviously that's the bad guy. <laughs> More than when Holt McElhaney first appeared on screen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think he plays it well, I think, you know, with what he is given. But yeah, it's definitely fairly obvious that if there has to be an inside man, Josh Hartnett is too much of a red herring for it to be him. (laughs) And I I loved I loved the here's the thing. I love the heist movie. I love the part where where uh, Josh Hartnett's kind of cowardly guy uh, uh, gets a backbone. I also like that it doesn't work out and he's shot instantly. (laughs) I thought the heist was excellent. My thing is, I don't think Guy Ritchie really cares about the armored truck employee part of this movie. And from what I've read, and I might be wrong about this. This is based on a French film from 2000, uh, uh, 2004. And I think the French film is just a man comes and works at an ar- armored uh, armored truck place, has a secret past, and then helps them, helps the employees defend against a siege. I think the whole part about him being the secret kingpin of a different armored truck uh, robbing crew was added for this thing. I might be wrong. All I know is that appears to be the part that Guy Ritchie likes the most. That's the part that's the most in the trailers. That is also the worst part of this movie by far. Yeah, for sure. Also, I, I do have to say, like, while the heist was entertaining, the heist was also super dumb. Oh, but, I, but the movie was dumb. No. When the movie, the movie knew was that it was dumb, I was happy with it. But, I mean, those people, okay, to fast forward, we find out that the crew that kills a son and uh, hijacks the first truck or, like, uh, robs the first truck is ex-military guys. And they're supposed to be these super competent over planners. <laughs> and then, like, the thing that they want to do is drive into an armed truck depot where they have all the weapons it's 
and just like try to shoot their way through it. It makes no sense whatsoever. Well, they had full body armor that was <laughs> Did they? Except for the part where most of them got shot through that body armor. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I did they, not. They, I didn't. I could have used a little, like, I could have used 10 seconds of, like, this body armor, the only place it's weak is this and this and this. Well, no, um, the the thing was, they brought full ar- body armor, but the only guns that could shoot through that body armor were the guns they brought. Guys, don't bring those guns. <laughs> <laughs> they would have all made it out there if they hadn't brought a gun and let Jason Statham steal it. Um, yeah, he, he did stab some of them in the neck as well. Yeah, so so we get we have four parts. The first part is uh, from the perspective of like the armored truck people meeting Jason Statham. Then we get the flashback part where we find out Jason Statham's a crime kingpin out to avenge his son, looking for who he, who did it. The only way he can find out is by going undercover at that place. Then we get the half hour section that follows the uh, crew. We flashback to meet them planning that job, and then we get the final section, which is the heist, and. Classic 4X structure. Classic 4X. Before before we st- we talked so much about like the heist, which I did kind of like, I really, really just disliked that second section, the uh, crime boss section. Because like the first one is like comedy. Like it feels dumb. Um, like Rob Delaney appears. They're like, wow, Jason Statham, you just shot six people. You should be on desk duty. And Rob Delaney as the shithead owner appears and goes, I don't think so. That <laughs> guy's great. And it's like he's playing it for laughs because it's an absurd character and it's funny. But then the moment we get to the other flashback, it's just like time to go torture some child pornographers in great <laughs> detail for 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, where did this come from? Well, at first it's we have to kill Dougie. Jason Statham's son, <laughs> yeah, at this, at this uh, burrito stand, and then yeah, just start torturing just everybody. There's no plan. the 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 plan is we're just gonna grab every criminal, beat the shit out of them, uh, take this guy out of bed in the middle of the night, put a bag over his head, ask him who, ask him where it is. Uh, then bring in his wife or daughter or something, and then we're going to torture her. This, yeah. And then this is Jason Statham, the hero of our movie, is now going to murder this guy's wife or daughter or something. And, well, he's a, uh, he's a dark spirit. He is a dark <laughs> spirit. Also, a dark horse, which is something that somebody else <laughs> calls him. Couldn't, couldn't agree on that. Uh, and then, the, and then you know, this guy's like, fine, okay, it's it's the Gash Brothers. The worst of the worst. <laughs> the Gash brother. Which I porn, guess makes sense since they do pornography, drugs. I guess. Yeah, it's like porn, drugs, da, 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 like goes on and on this list. Uh, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like an armored truck gang. <laughs> like, that sounds like guys who do porn and drugs. <laughs> like, you already got, how many hustles do, do the Gash brothers need? Like, uh, just, you know, so then they go there and clearly it's terrible. Uh, and I we haven't like talked the- about the use of oneers in this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which were so bizarre. Because when we get to the Gash Brothers, it starts with um, two guys talking in a car, and <laughs> pass me uh, pass me that bottle of water. And uh, this guy lights up a cigarette, crushes the cigarette by the by the end of this take. They just have this long discussion. Oh, it's, it's a oneer. They, they, he's on a he's on a deadline. 
know, it's just, it's just, and, and then we go in and, you know, uh, it's not them. We don't think it's them. Uh, so great. Good thing we watched all of this. That that 20 minutes was, was wasted besides saying like Jason Statham will go to the ends of the earth. And so then yeah, finally, that's the entire it, point of that scene is that he's, he is no stone unturned. So uh, why does this stone have to be a child porn ring? Like it's just purposefully ugly and gross. And it's right after we watch, we watch a, a character we've never met before being really just grossly like strangled with a plastic bag while being punched in the face. Yeah. I, yeah, I just really didn't like that section. Yeah. Veronica, what were you and saying? The, you said you didn't, you liked, you liked one part. I, I did like the part where at the end of it, when they found out that they still had a ton of money, he was just like, oh yeah, just give it to the kids they abused. I thought <laughs> yeah, that was like that was a cute. very altruistic part of it. I will say- That's it, a save the yeah. cat moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the- uh, or no, I didn't like, but I will liken this to this other movie I saw called, uh, what was it called? Like Brawl on Cell Block 99. It oh, was yeah. uh, Vince, Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. It was another one of these humorless movies that ultra violent that really basks in it being so violent Mm-hmm. And it really felt like another a reincarnation of that kind of movie for the guys who don't want fun with their violence. They just want, like, you know, the rough and tumble, like, bones breaking, blood spurting out kind of shit. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't find anything so appealing about having graphic violence just for the sake of having it. So I did yeah, not I enjoy mean, that part. We, but you love talk- Guy Ritchie movies. You love the criminal... I do, but like there's humor in it. There's not like, yeah, the tone of it. I felt like in this movie, all it wanted to do is just shove our faces in how cruel uh, the characters were. And that's fine. There are movies we just we talked about Get Carter a few weeks ago. (laughs) Well, I like that. Like we talk we like like violent movies all the time. I like the John Wick movies, except when they're having uh, uh, Braun from Game of Thrones do 10 minute monologue about rules that I don't care about. That part I don't like when they're throwing knives at each other's faces. Love that shit. But there's a tonal thing where this movie is dumb. And when it wants, like, it just is. I'm sorry. The movie's dumb. And movies that that are dumb and are like, I'm going to be the best dumb movie I can be. That's fucking great. That's awesome. But when a movie is like dumb. It's dumb and and it thinks it's smart. And then you watch a a guy, you have to watch like gross real life torture in your silly crime movie, like with no point to it. Yeah. That's when when it feels like, when it feels unearned, I guess, is when it the violence feels more unpleasant. In a movie where the violence is earned, I've watched tons of movies where people are tortured, where I'm like, yeah, cool, they got tortured. That's what happens. But in this one, I just it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah this same. is supposed to be the gang that's like kind of good guys, you know? So. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't even, I don't think they're supposed to be good guys. I think this well, is showing I us mean, how they're bad guys. Uh, but I think they're supposed to be... Uh, I don't know. They're they're more professional. They're mm. you know he doesn't care about the money uh, as much. And but yeah, but we're gonna watch it. Like you know, we're gonna watch him be cruel for twenty minutes uh, to 
to what end uh and also like we're just completely out of the plot at that point and all yeah. these people that he killed were not the people who had anything to do with it because it turns out it's just you know six guys who uh went to uh, soldiers from afghanistan and uh you know they just they're, they're just out there getting started well uh, here's they, the thing if you had if you had cut that entire flashback down to the his son's death and then about a 30 second montage of the coolest shots from that thing where it's like, OK, we just see a shot of them punching the yeah. guy. We see the the one take shot of him shooting all the child pornographers. We would have gotten the point and the movie oh, yeah. would have felt better. It would have just been like like because it's That's like a great point. It's like in, in John Wick, the fun is just the fun is seeing the characters reactions to him of being like, wait. John Wick is coming and you know all you need to know like it's fun where they're like he did the thing with the pencil we don't need to flash back and see the fucking thing with the pencil we in two movie sequel we can see a scene where he has a pencil and he reenacts it great but we don't need to flash back it's more fun to be in our imagination like oh yeah this guy's this guy's serious. These right. robbers fucked with the wrong guy. And I think they would have done that if <laughs> all, they didn't think they were making like a serious crime drama and not a dumb action movie. Yeah. yeah and I all, guess it all could have been covered in the industrial dubstep remix of Folsom Prison Blues. We could have <laughs> just done that. that Never whole... before have I heard more of just like a trailer edit of a song somehow got into the movie. <laughs> right. I think it's also uh, kind of similar to what you just said, John, is like uh, because they choose to show everything in such detail, uh, I feel like the climax of this movie is very underwhelming because mm. it feels like, oh, oh, my God, he's so cruel with these pornographers, that these anonymous pornographers. I wonder what's going to happen when he actually meets like Scott Eastwood, which is the bad guy who actually shoots his son. And then that whole confrontation was so anticlimactic to me. A hundred percent. It was. After this brutal heist. Yeah, exactly. It just felt such a letdown that it was over very quickly with the speech that is the, you know, the chapter header for the last part. Liver, lungs. Yeah. uh, (laughs) But like, yeah, he just shoots him four times and goes. And it was like, oh, okay. So this is like, I don't know. I felt so underwhelmed. And it was like this payoff to like they kept showing like that autopsy report. They they, they mm-hmm. like it got it got like of, a key. of Jason yeah. Statham's son, right? Which turned out to be Jason Statham's son. Uh, and uh, it you know it got a key light the first time they showed it. <laughs> like we're lighting Madonna's eyes, and <laughs> uh, and and then they showed it again. And so it's all leading to the liver, the lungs, spleen, heart thing and it was just like yeah um i was uh sure that is technically a payoff but uh, it's weird that they made scott eastwood the final boss you yeah. know it's yeah. like it clearly should have been holt holt Ma- McElhaney. Ma- McElhaney. scott eastwood was you know he was a fucking scumbag the whole movie Right. We all saw it coming a mile away. He's Who the he guy had in no the crew. relationship with, uh, yeah, either right. than seeing his eyes. Like we don't have. Right. Whereas, like he has a relationship with Bullet. Yeah, there, I, like how, there's I a, like how he sees Scott, Scott Eastwood twice while he's lying in a pool of his own blood. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> they, they make they make a criminal criminal misjudgment in that. Yes, uh, we're supposed to care about Jason Statham's uh, quest to avenge his son, but we meet the son in one scene. We do, however, spend a lot of time with like Josh Hartnett and Eddie Marzen and um, uh, uh, whoever plays uh, uh, Dana. You know, all, all the employees at the place. So while Scott Eastwood shoots this character we meet for 30 seconds, all of those characters are brutally killed in cold blood by their friend and coworker, Bullet, yeah. who's revealed to be like the most evil dude in the world. So by the end of the movie, we care much more about Bullet getting his comeuppance than stupid Scott Eastwood. So that, yeah, it, like everything about that le- last scene doesn't work. Because it is just completely anticlimactic, like mm-hmm. you said, Veronica. Yeah, it just, I I felt like, oh, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And there were a few times, in, even in the heist uh, scene, where uh, Jason Statham is tied up and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen when it gets untied? <laughs> and then, like, there's one kind of cool thing that he does, but then he ends up being shot. So it also... It feels like when it matters for his violence to actually have some impact on the story, it it just doesn't happen. They have a lot of empty violence on characters that we don't know because they're not really part of the story. Yet when it comes to actually have some cathartic violence against or towards people that we actually know in the movie, it really under delivers. Yeah. It should have ended with him and Holt McElhaney and he's... You know, they have a big, a huge scene together before uh, <laughs> Liver Lungs, fa- Spleen Heart. They should have found a way to make it that Holt McElhaney shot the son. I, you know, wh- like he was the driver at the heist and he got and we do a flashback that reveal and he was shot. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I want to find the guy who did this as well. And then we find out actually it was like he like. um I don't know, his son grabbed the gun. Like, you know, just do something to make Bullet was he's, there at the heist. It's just, I, we just don't care about Scott Eastwood. He's, yeah. partly, he's partly responsible. That's never really dealt with. Like, if he's the inside man, then he's the one that told Scott Eastwood's crew to do yeah. that. Yeah. Jason- it would work with the way that they filmed the first scene, where you don't see the guy that he is talking to. You know, like it would be a mystery reveal later on that, oh, it was actually bullet or something. The one the one part of the movie that's so dumb, but I'm I'm willing to go with it is like, how do they not recognize Jason Statham? Jason Statham was there on the day he got shot. He was the fourth victim. He was the fourth victim of a robbery where two of their coworkers got killed and his son was the other victim. Is there like. What, was there no news? Yeah. Did they not read like articles about the deaths of their coworkers on the job that they do? But but like fine, whatever. I could go with that. It's <laughs> silly. I I don't think Jason should have actually been there on the day. I think that was yeah. that just makes no, the plot very unbelievable. Yeah. No, he is he has taken on a new identity when he when he goes in there. Right, so, of course, of course. But he's, I mean, he's changed his, his name face from doesn't change. This Hill. is not a face-off situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not like should have had him in a big isn't one of the most wing. recognizable people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> a man who actually looks like a bullet. Uh, but <laughs> but well, his like, name his name is Patrick Hill. Hill, Hill. I'm gonna call you H. My name's Bullet. 
<laughs> but I'm not as Which fast is- as a bullet. <laughs> Whatever All the fuck that wonderful line is. dialogue. Oh. Old Mac Laney doing his best to deliver it. But it's like that dumb thing about like not recognizing Jason Statham. I wouldn't have cared in the dumber movie this should have been. But this movie wants us to take it on, like it wants us to evaluate it as if it's a more serious movie. And the best way to tell that is from the score, which does not change for any (laughs) moment of the movie and just is, how long is this film? Almost two two hours. hours. So it's just two hours of dun, dun, dun. (laughs) It never stops. Dun, dun, dun. Dun dun for two doesn't matter what the scene is. When we're watching Holt McElhaney introduce Jason Statham to the co-workers, and he's like, This is Boy Sweat Dave, and this is Jerk Off Jerry. The score is still going. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Uh what did you guys think about the way that they introduced the sort of the villain crew? To me. Amazing. Well, to me, it felt like they were boring. They it doesn't by that point. I don't need another flashback. I don't care. But I, I don't need another perspective. You know, actually, you know what? I disagree. Uh, so you you found it boring? I found it boring because by the time they're introduced, we know what they have done to his son. We know that they're like cruel villains. There's no nuance about those guys mm-hmm. at all. And so I almost wish that they given up the the sort of like the mixed up chronology thing for that and just showed them first because i think sorry they're trying to humanize them and i'm like well i think like it would be way easier to do that if you introduce them before they do the very cruel murders and also give them personalities i did not I understood more about why the military unit in The Rock does what it does than <laughs> I, I did here. It just seems that was like what's happening. It just seems like The Rock, a far superior movie. I'm sure. I, I mean, I know, uh, but no one's going to dispute that. But it just it didn't. So they, I guess, were bored or felt like they were not rewarded enough for their well, service of as. <laughs> That's how they introduce them, is what they're sitting at a poker table, all looking in the same direction, uh, but not at each other. (laughs) And one guy's going, all I do is wake up, drink a beer, watch TV, then I drink another beer, then I watch more TV, then I drink another beer, watch more TV, (laughs) that's all I go to sleep. Then they go, hey, so-and-so, what are you, how, how are you doing over there? You're being real quiet. I'm bored. (laughs) <laughs> when we were over in Afghanistan Man, boredom's I, worse than any bullet Yeah, and it's like When you're in the third act Of a questionable movie I don't think you want a character saying I'm bored Because then the <laughs> audience goes You're right, buddy <laughs> Well, I actually I did When the heist started I did appreciate that I knew char- The characters on both sides That's like the best version of this yeah. It's basically heat you well, know, yeah, like, as bad as this movie was, it wants to be heat. I mean, like, I agree that we should get to know them. I just feel like we should not have gotten to know them then. And we, I agree. when we yeah. did, we should have been given a better intro to them because well, lose, this is, this is lose the Jason is, Statham section. Yeah, this is no, the yeah. time boss section. Yeah, I mean, it just feels the best like movie. Snatch tells you who everybody is in the first 90 seconds of the movie, introduces every character. 
and you get a set like you know in snatch you just it's boom 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 like i don't know how guy Ritchie forgot how to do that that's what's so frustrating about i don't think he forgot i think he's trying for something else and just not getting there like there's clearly some supposed to be some theme in this movie about like men who've been pent up or something but it's never explored and i don't like like that terrible line that i read earlier about like uh, a paleolithic man down to a diabetic house husband and the other guy's like i'm bored i need to see action again like that's brought up twice but i don't know what it has to do with the story and then you have like so the title of the french movie is um la convoyeur french is le convoyeur Great accent, John. Nailed it. Um, And it's like its translation is just cash truck. And you think like if this movie was called Cash Truck, like, yeah, it would tell you that this movie doesn't like thinks it's dumber than it is. But like you you name it (laughs) Wrath of Man. You give it chapter titles. You do all these things that like seem to like want to show that this is a serious drama. And it shouldn't be. The fun parts are the dumb parts. Yeah. I'm repeating myself. I got to stop. Yeah, I think it kind of fell into the same trap as Revolver did. It it kind of got very... I mean, not to that extent, but it got more like philosophical about things. And it's just, it's not fun. It's not a good look. <laughs> At least like Guy Ritchie can't pull it off. I'm sure like someone else could, but you know, uh, maybe like Lynn Shelton or someone. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, I, she died, didn't she? Oh, hold on. Who am I thinking of? The woman who directed uh, that Joaquin Phoenix movie, You, oh, you Are um, Never Here. I'm, I wasn't there. I, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, I, I forgot her name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's the time where, travel. The one where he kills people with a hammer? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that, it probably, I could see Guy Ritchie yeah. maybe trying to aim for something like that, perhaps. But yeah, I feel like it is kind of two movies where it wants well, to like pick a lane. You yeah, know? it like, wants to be sort of a more like silly, I guess like not even silly, yeah. but sort of, uh, you know, like a heist movie sort of like, fun. It doesn't want to be serious. Yeah. And then but then it does have these very long sort of uh uh, sequences of usually like single shots where it like very graphically depicts violence uh, in a way that sort of doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. His last, his last movie, The Gentleman, was it was actually way more frustrating to me because it felt like he was trying to go for that snatch thing, yeah, and had and had forgotten any lesson that he learned from that and had instead, uh, like. Uh, uh, he, like Guy Ritchie must he must be like real nice and he must like come in under budget and uh, had a schedule or something and he's able to you know do quick I mean, pre-pro well Aladdin made more than a billion dollars so I think oh, he's set for, he's set movie for a I few more seen, years I guess. oh for sure I mean I was looking at it, I was looking at it on I was looking him up on Wikipedia because I'm like you never hear about Guy Ritchie you never hear like what it's like well, to work he with used to be married like to Madonna I feel like oh, well, he got sure. his share of, uh, you know, paparazzi and, fame then and, and just and, doesn't and want to. And I think she must have, you know, succubus style, like taken all of his creative ability out of him or something <laughs> and used it to keep her career going. But I was like looking at his Wikipedia and there's uh, one of the sections is 2003 to 2015. 
critical disappointments and Sherlock Holmes. I'm like, how, <laughs> how does this guy? Get, here's a here's get, a question in 2021. In 2021, whose new work is more likely to disappoint you, Guy Ritchie or Madonna? Mm. Wow. Well, I think my uh. ex- <laughs> expectations are pretty low for both. If like, but I actually think Madonna could come out with okay. Good songs. That's a good. That's a better question. Who has like a career peak? Not peak, but like up there with their best stuff level, like masterpiece still left in them. Wow. Well, I, I, don't know. I would say they both do, but if I had they to put money do. down, I think Madonna. I I think we're gonna get one fucking crazy Madonna reinvention still sure. uh, uh, in her career, where everyone's just like, "Fuck, Madonna was so fucking great, and she's great again." But also, she has like thirty years of greatness, and you know, <laughs> changed the way we all think about sex. And like, has, yeah, but also you know, like Madonna doesn't really like make her own music anymore. I mean, yeah, she does right. write it, but like, yeah, she doesn't care. She's in her sixties. Her most recent best songs were produced by like twenty people, and she, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she hand picks very good people, and she has you know a good ear for pop music, obviously. But I don't yeah. know that those are the same. Uh, those would be the same comparisons because it feels okay, like anything about, Guy Ritchie would do would still he would still have more input into than she how would. About, how about movies only? Who has okay. a better chance? <laughs> of uh, well, it I, I think we got it. We I think she and Warren Beatty can still do a Dick Tracy too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. I would love a sequel to uh, the song that she did in that movie. An- another another great uh, uh, another great season. Madonna Madonna spouse who hasn't made a uh, good directed a good movie in a while. Well, he hasn't done anything in a while. I think he's just Mister Annette Benning at this point. <laughs> Which is better than any of us will achieve. So no, I, she seems lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, uh, so the, the gentleman was just like so freaking frustrating for me because it's like it's he's just like it's just like the weak sauce it's just it's like mm. trying but like did you like the gentleman veronica i enjoyed it more than this for sure uh but i yeah. think the problem to with me, Guy Ritchie, like very aggravating well so here's the thing i think we've been talking about how snatch is so great and why can't he mm. just make another snatch and I feel mm-hmm. like with The Gentleman, it's way closer to Snatch uh, than this movie. And it is disappointing. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think we want him right. to do like, a thing that. that we're, like, we would inevitably be disappointed by. Because right. one of the good things about Snatch is that it was new and surprising. So I feel like I had almost higher hopes for this because tonally it's different. And maybe it could have gone in sort of a more interesting direction that it ended up going. And I guess it's unfortunate that it hasn't, but I still I still enjoy his movies. I like Sherlock Holmes. I, I enjoyed all those movies. I think Dude. he he's a very interesting stylist. And I think even in this movie there were a lot of cool shots, even though they usually did not serve a purpose. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. He just he's just so frustrating to me. Like to this you know Gentleman was supposed to be a return to form, and that's like what I read. And so I was like, oh, mm-hmm. snap, finally, we're going to get it. Look at this cast, amazing. Whereas, so I was just like disappointed watching that movie and like getting frustrated and aggravated. Whereas this was so 
bonkers that as <laughs> terrible as terrible as it was i also really want to watch it again <laughs> and what well, you should have gone to see it was the uh, uh, in imax with veronica i know yes. i, I should have invited me like i would have <laughs> i i would i'll recommend this movie to anybody i'd be like yes because to <laughs> me this was bad like i don't have that taste for bad movies i'm gonna go i'm gonna watch a shitty movie mm-hmm. uh, ha 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 uh, and just you know, watch people fuck this up. This is said by a man who's gone to see Jason Takes Manhattan with me at midnight. <laughs> Those are fun. Those Jason movies <laughs> are fun. Uh, Not think, that one. I think you have way more of a taste for that 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 than I do. Uh, you know, it, but this was like this is like you got to be seen to be believed. It is. Mm-hmm. It was. It shook me to my core for the first like 15 minutes. I was like, <laughs> just like, I mean, how, John, I'm pretty sure there was like five times I turned to you and I was like, what is happening right now? Well, the dialogue at top is just so truly insane. And I, yeah. I, I'm, I desperately wish I could have watched some of the French, a uh, French movie before we did this. I just could not find any subtitles. I was going to have to pay to even watch parts of it, but I'm just so curious what the tone of that movie is. I'd love to even know what it he feels felt like very he needed to borrow from that. Yeah. I wonder if it, I wonder if it was the line you just worry about putting your asshole back in your asshole. <laughs> that got a big laugh from our audience. Wow. That boy, I it's think, great to see a movie in the theaters again. <laughs> there's like, there's like one guy back into the left that was enjoying it at the same level that we were. And I, I was there for it. All I know, I was thrilled to be back in the theaters. I was happy I was. to pay $4 for a bottle of water. It was a great time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I, I am, I'm a little bummed. This is like three movies in a row, I feel like, Veronica, that we've just been like really disappointed. Like we yeah. have to have a movie that we genuinely like one of these episodes. Well, maybe it will be. Cruella. Yeah, maybe it will be Cruella. <laughs> uh, well, we haven't yet given uh, Wrath of Man a grade before we move on to talk about the future or the past, depending Ooh. on which episode it is. So let's uh, give Wrath of Man a grade on the count of three, one, two, three, B C minus. A plus. <laughs> a plus. All right, the curve has been skewed. A plus, <laughs> amazing! You will be shook to your core watching this movie. You will not see another movie like it this, this whole like year. It, they should have had, you, what you know, you how in like the old days they would have a camera crew opening night and they would uh, film reactions of people as they oh, leave for, the like, audience. Old horror movies? Yeah, yeah. So they should have had Evan <laughs> just <laughs> on all of their promotional materials. I was shook to the core. <laughs> Everyone should see it. A plus. Yeah, what a great <laughs> advertising gimmick that I maybe it's just I I I, I miss movie theater so much. But those night vision footage yeah. of like people seeing <gasps> Paranormal Activity Seven. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. They would, there would have been great footage of me grabbing John's arm, <laughs> putting my putting my head in his lap. Like I was having a me, full body experience. <laughs> I, and me turning to you and saying, if Holt McElhaney is inside, man, I'm going to be so fucking angry. I really wanted it to be Rob Delaney. I really <laughs> wanted them to get there and Holt McElhaney would be like, I'm innocent. Why would you think it's me? And then Rob Delaney comes out and's like, Jeffrey Donovan, quick, take all the money. 
yeah. And you were also so sure that the driver had to be Jason Statham's brother. The first the had to be the someone. Why would was, you film a scene like that? It was nobody. <laughs> the important person that got killed in that scene was off screen. They were outside of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's Wrath of Man. I guess it's a <laughs> qualified uh, uh, suggestion from from the podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay, qualified recommendation. I said B minus. I said C plus. Okay, so we're oh, we're wow. meeting in the middle. I'm, I'm rarely the most negative. I'm usually the most t- negative talking, and then my grade is weirdly high because I'm just bad at giving grades, or just because I was like a really supportive teacher back when I taught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's time for our uh, second segment and our only other segment <laughs> is when we talk about something good we actually saw this past week and Ooh. recommended to our listeners. Uh, Evan will give you some time since I don't think we actually <laughs> told you that this is going to be happening. I know. I, well, you have I, plenty of guys, time. I haven't seen any movies since Thor. So, all right. Well, I listen, uh, I listen to this podcast all the time. By the way, I'm a big fan. Though I feel like you didn't do this on the last couple episodes, so I kind of forgot. We do it because I haven't seen enough movies. So I, I want. I I haven't been watching that many movies during the pandemic. I played Resident Evil Village. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I'll save that for uh, for another day. I liked it. I liked seven more RE seven more than RE eight. Liked RE eight fine. That's for all my RE heads out there. Cool. Well, I saw The Father yesterday, <laughs> and I I thought it was really really good, but also terribly depressing. Anthony Hopkins is amazing, and so is Olivia Coleman. Uh, would really recommend it unless you would find it triggering if you have dealt with parents sort of, you know, losing uh, their... Yeah, so dealing with dementia or anything like that. I mean, I could definitely see it being triggering, but it's so well done. It's actually very short, and Mm -hmm. it's sort of filmed like more... I don't know. It feels like a thriller in some ways because it's being told from the perspective of Anthony Hopkins, who is not entirely sure who anyone is and whether to trust his mind or not. So would recommend with that one caveat. uh, Yeah, go see The Father at The Syndicated, which is where I saw it. And it's a delightful theater in Bushwick. About as opposite from an IMAX as possible. Was that, it has was that a outside? surprisingly large screen. I have never been there before. And oh, yeah, it, it's huge. Yeah. Sorry, go but ahead. You were outside. You were inside. Yeah, inside. Okay. They're showing movies inside. Because they were like showing it on a wall for like all the pandemic, right? Yeah. They're showing movies. Yeah. Not the father. I, I'm curious. Movies. So whenever I see a movie that's based on a, whenever I see a movie that's based on anything, I'm very curious about how the original did it. Mm -hmm. But particularly when I see a movie that's like based on a play, sometimes you see a movie based on a play and you're like, Oh, they basically just filmed the play and then moved one of the scenes into the park. But like, I watched clips from the father, particularly around the Oscars. And it seemed like they were doing so much of it through editing effect, through editing effects, but like editing to make the disjointed uh, uh, feel of the character. Yeah. Um, did, uh, having watched it, are you at all intrigued to see the play version? I am. I think I could definitely see. Uh, it. I can't. I can't say that it's stagey in any way, but I feel mm-hmm. like they are using some of the same techniques they probably used on stage to illustrate his dementia 
for example, there's a very limited cast and mm-hmm. they use some uh the same actors playing different roles because, you know, he doesn't recognize people, for example. So I can see how that would also be like the way that they would do it in theaters. And with editing, I think they do a lot of subtle stuff that don't really draw attention to themselves, but are very impactful in the way that they cut between scenes that are actually set in different spaces, um, you know, because, you know, he doesn't know exactly where he is and stuff. So I would be curious to see, for example, how they did something like that on stage. How do you subtly... Uh, sort of hint to the audience that, oh, he has actually moved, even though he thinks that he still lives in the same place, for example. Maybe like lighting effects or just having a character speak to him from opposite sides of the stage or something. Right. Because uh, in the movie, it's very easy. You just have a new set. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, how do you do that there? Maybe they had some like, but I I thought it was very well done. You don't really feel like it's stagey at all. And Anthony Hopkins, while the performance is really, really good, it's very low, I feel like, on quote-unquote Oscar moments, which I truly hate. <laughs> I hate when people yell and cry and scream <laughs> just so that it makes the Oscar clip. So it was very nice. Well, it's somebody with a disease or disability, which is just classic. <laughs> Julianne Moore just won like three years ago for having Alzheimer's. That's true. It's the hot new thing. It's the new <laughs> Holocaust. I mean... She's the best, but it's like fun it's stuff. The, it's the hot new right, Holocaust. Well, Evan, have you Alzheimer's seen anything is the new? Holocaust. Um, let, uh, uh, I mean, I've watched things endlessly. Um, I, I think my favorite things from uh, the old pandemic uh, that I really got it. I really got into um, just going to the seventies. Uh, like 70s New York or 70s LA, that type of stuff. And I got real into uh, classic uh, Robert Altman stuff, especially the stuff with Elliot Gould, uh, young, swaggering Elliot Gould. Uh, so, and, and the, the two best, and he's already, I, I already loved MASH and I already loved Nashville. Nashville's so great. Um, Mm -hmm. I could watch that a million times. Uh, but I had never seen the long goodbye, uh, where he's playing Philip Marlowe. And that was just uh, that, that was just amazing. Um, just this great detective story. And he's just swaggering through every scene, just being the coolest, smokes <laughs> a thousand cigarettes, uh, doesn't care if somebody's punching him or he's getting arrested. It's all fine. Uh, and then there's another one, California Split, where he's uh, uh, a gambler uh, with uh with Peter Peter Seg, Peter Peter Segel, I'm blanking on how to say his name. Peter Segal, Peter Segel. Um, um, right, recently recently, recently deceased. Or just shoot me. Um, yeah, yes, from famously from just shoot me. Uh, <laughs> and those are uh, and I, I've just I just loved you know like uh, you know when you're trying to escape reality, going back to the '70s because it was just such. Just the way they do, it's like we hadn't figured out how to do movies yet, exactly. It's like we're coming out of the studio system, and it's before the 80s when things really sort of all started to be Spielberged into this, like, stuff from the 70s just has this 
such a weird tone where there's like scenes just like end and start at weird places and just these there's these regular ass looking non you know non movie star looking people and <laughs> just like and it's just like you're just so you can just you're just like so transported in that stuff but at the same time it's like cre- they're they're really do, you know, re- really creative stuff and um you know i i don't think i ever really appreciated robert altman until just recently i didn't quite get why he was considered one of the greats until i saw those two movies uh uh, specifically they're, they're great that's the awesome goodbye and california split i don't i think i think i watched them free on prime but i don't think they're free anymore uh yeah the long goodbye is one of my favorite subgenre of movie the sort of oh, the yeah. la noir of just the lead character just moving between spaces within la and just having just weird characters everywhere and yeah. yeah, it's so great. Such a great movie. And it's like the per it's the perfect version of that. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that one is just it's it's amazing. You you never know where it's going. That's awesome. Those are yeah. both very good recommendations. Unlike John, oh, who you. recommended a fucking video game like uh, Resident Evil Eight. Eight. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's really cool. There's so many werewolves and a tall vampire lady. All right. Uh, So next weekend, we will either be watching an older movie or maybe we'll just do another new movie and go see the new Saw sequel, Spiral, starring Chris Rock. I truly hope we don't. we'll probably watch an old movie instead. Spiral from the book of Saw? Sorry, yeah, from the book of Saw. (laughs) That's Spiral colon. You know, Jigsaw is my favorite author. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love his book. I love his book. Spiral, (laughs) one of my my favorite chapters. My favorite chapters are A Dark (laughs) Spirit, Spiral. (laughs) All right. All right. Do we got anything else to say, Veronica? Uh, No. (laughs) Thanks thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, thank you, Evan. I'm a big fan. Um, no, yeah. Evan, where, where can people you. find you? Yeah, that's important. Um, sure, you can find me uh, on on Instagram at EZEV, E-A-Z-Y-E-V, like E-Z-E, but with a V. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be starting a podcast soon called A Bedford Blast, uh, of which I will have you guys on, I'm sure. Yes! Uh, and... Um, and yeah, we, this can, was all just so we can earn a spot. Of yeah. course. And you can uh and you can find me uh probably at John's apartment uh literally <laughs> literally every weekend uh for the, the for the last year and uh from from here on out. I would I would imagine. Wow. wow. Yeah. And that's we might- a promise. <laughs> yes. We might actually start going to other places soon. Oh, back to, we're going to movies. Your apartment's uh, back, so good, though. It's true. We'll leave it on that. I'm cool. My apartment's cool. Life is cool. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> <laughs>